Ephesians chapter 4. Hey, Matt, would you pull some of that, like the low end out of that mic for me? We're almost to the end of our uh, journey through our church covenant. And um, tonight we're uh, moving through the, the paragraph that talks about how we're committing, uh, our, how we're committing, wait, let me back up. The commitments that we're making to the church, the people who are members of this church, uh, if you look through our covenant, there are, there's a, a paragraph that talks about our commitment to God. A paragraph talks about our commitment to each other. And then a, a paragraph about our commitment to uh, the church. And last week we um, kind of went through this last section, and they're going to put it up on the screen for us. Um, it talks about this. It says, we'll work together to fulfill the mission and vision of this church by maintaining unity in our personal and corporate devotions, actively using our spiritual gifts, abilities, and passions in ministry, being faithful in our attendance, participation, and giving, and by supporting the leadership of this church. And tonight, we're going to focus on the part about spiritual gifts and uh, abilities and passions in ministry. Now, I know, yeah, I know that uh, if I talk too loud, it's going to ring. Okay. Um, I know that as soon as you see that, there's, there's a part of you that just completely, like, rebels when you see that. Um, when Anytime we talk about how, like, every, everybody's a minister, everybody's a minister, um, we tend to not like that because we don't really look at ministry as something that is appealing, do we? Because mostly we, could, we connect the word ministry to being a minister, and we connect ministers to uh, the staff of a church. And very few people look at a minister and say, I would like to do that. Huh. We just don't. It's just not, it's just not that exciting. Um, maybe, maybe I remember a time when I kind of thought that it was, when I was like in high school and stuff, and I was like, I could be a youth minister, and we would just play all the time. <laughs> Go to camp. Do retreats, play some games, have a little Bible study here and there. And it wasn't too long after that when I realized, like, there's a little more to it than that. Uh, there's a lot more to it than that. But that, that's kind of what I thought. But we kind of think we look at ministry connected to ministers, and we, we have that picture of what it means to be a minister, you know. And whether it's uh, thinking about the, the pastors, you know, who have the perfectly sculpted hair, and um, even even when even on their day off, they're wearing like you know they're tucked in and they're wearing their if their pants are pressed and all that stuff. And it's weird if you bump into them at Walmart, like you feel real awkward and like you need to make it you know explain why you weren't at church last week or something and or whatever. Maybe there's that's the understanding, or maybe it's maybe you see them as ministers as like counselors, and the idea of just sitting down with people and working through their problems just makes you want to vomit. You know, it's like the last thing you'd ever want to do. Uh, maybe you see it as see as ministers, as people who deal with people's complaints all the time, always putting out fires, always whatever. You know, um, maybe you've been around ministers who all they do is complain about how draining everything is. You know, um, maybe you think of ministers as the people who show up in the hospital room and they know exactly what to say. You know, or they show up in the midst of a crisis and they they know what to do. They know the prayers to pray. They know they have those. Those, their Bible is worn out, and they have it all you know, memorized and all that kind of stuff. And the thing is, like, 
the office of pastor or minister or whatever like that, that thing and the word minister uh, are, are kind of two different things. Um, we need to set aside all those, those connotations that come with whenever we see um, something about us being involved in ministry. Uh, it's not about tasks, you know, and it's not about all those kinds of things or whatever. Um, the, word, the word minister means servant. That's where it's rooted. And so the things that ministers do uh, are done out of service, yes. And so some of those things are, are good. Some of those things are just stereotypes. Some of them is just kind of the way it's become in our culture. Um, but in our church covenant, when we say, uh, we talk about actively using spiritual gifts, abilities, and passions in ministry, that word ministry is not the fact that we're trying to create a whole bunch of workers. You know, We're not trying to, to get you know, 99% volunteer labor to be able to pull off some of the stuff that we're trying to do. Um, that's, that's not it at all. Um, when, in our church covenant, when it says use those things in ministry, it means use those things in service. To serve the people that, that God loves. Um, and, and to do whatever it takes to make sure that they know how much he loves them. And maybe that ministry is, is inwardly focused. Maybe that means um, serving people within the church so that we, can, we never forget the fact how much he loves us. And maybe that ministry goes outside the walls of this place so that everybody that we meet knows how much he loves them. But the mission and vision of this church, a part of that we're going to accomplish is by being involved in serving people, in ministering to people. Um, and so that's kind of the first thing we have to like, make sure we understand is that um, we're, not, we're not about trying to, to pull you out of all these things that you have going on in your life and to, to get you on the roster of our church so we can put you on some sort of team or some sort of committee or some sort of whatever so we can add a bunch of stuff to your schedule so that you can check the box of involved in church, you know? Um, that's not what we're trying to do. Why would we want to pull you out of the, the network of relationships and, uh, and all that kind of stuff that God has naturally given you by the way that your life has progressed? Why would we want to pull you out of that to bring you in, to put you on a committee that allows you to vote for stuff? We're just not going to tack stuff on to what you already have going on. That's not, that's not what this church is about. That's not what being a Christian is about. Um, but it is about serving. It is about taking care of people. It's about meeting the needs of those that God loves and doing whatever it takes to meet those needs. Now that we, we, are going to, we do ask that, that you do because God asks us to do that. Um, and so in, in Ephesians 4 where I ask you to turn, we looked at this last week. Verse 11 says, It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to, to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. Here it is to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. To prepare God's people for works of service. Church involvement, coming together on Sunday nights, coming into your community groups, um, some of the, the different things. We have a women's Bible study that's about to start up. There's a wives' discipleship thing that's going on. All these things are about gathering the saints together and equipping you to go and to live your life as Christ would live your life, for him to live his life through your life. 
And we talked about it last week. If, when, you are, um, when you are discipling your kids, when you are investing in your spouse, when you are um, being a good employee or an employer, uh, when you are being um, honorable in your life as a student, when you're investing in those relationships that God has given you, when you're doing all those things, when normal life, when Jesus is living his life through you, you are fulfilling the mission and vision of our church. And so when we talk about using our gifts and our abilities and our passions in ministry, it's, it's, again, it's about serving people. That's what ministry is all about. Now here's where I think, I think we have a problem, is that very few Christians look at themselves as being equipped to go in to do that. There's this, there's this really messed up idea out there that um, seminary training is what makes you a minister. Really weird. Um, when I graduated from seminary, my title and my salary changed when I was here at Parkview. I don't know that I was different driving to New Orleans that day than I was driving back from New Orleans that day, after, and I have a diploma in my hand. But that's how a lot of churches are built, and that's not a slam against Parkview. That's anywhere across the board. Before I had a seminary degree, I could not have sent my resume anywhere and even been considered um, for a pastoral position unless it was a church that was like, we just got to get somebody in here. But there's this idea that seminary training makes you a minister. And I've been in plenty of seminary classes, and I'm looking around, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. Lord, help the church. Because anybody can sit through a seminary class and write some papers and read some books and get a degree. It's not about that. It has nothing to do with that. Now, I'm not slamming seminary. I think it's, it's, it's good, it's necessary, and all that kind of stuff. But there's this idea that like those are the ministers, those people who are trained. But that's not at all what the New Testament teaches. If anything, when we, when we read these verses, seminary is, is to send some of those, uh, those pastors and teachers and all those things that are described, send them away to train them, to bring them back into the church, to train the rest of the church. That's how, that's how it works. I, as the pastor of this church, that's a part of my job is to equip you to the best of my ability as an instrument of Christ to send you to work and to send you home. But it doesn't mean that I'm the minister and you are the receiver, receiver, <laughs> receivers of that ministry. Thing is, the ministries that you have are radically different from the ministry that I have. And so I have this title, all right, big deal. I can count on one hand how many friends I have who don't know Christ, and I wouldn't use all my fingers. But you, you're out there. And so we are ascending organization. We are sending missionaries into the city of Baton Rouge all the time. That's what the church is designed to do. But I don't think a lot of Christians look at themselves as being equipped to do that. And so in our covenant, we put this sentence. It's just kind of tucked in there, and it talks about three things that we really believe wholeheartedly that the New Testament teaches that God has given us to do that. Spiritual gifts, abilities, and uh, passions, all right? So we're going to look at, at those th three things. Um, 
Flip over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. One of the things we prayed for tonight before this service was that that God would help us to walk away from tonight looking at ourselves in the mirror differently than we do walking in. I'm not talking about body image or any of that kind of other stuff. I'm talking about look at ourselves spiritually differently than we walked in tonight. Spiritual gifts. It's one of those things where as soon as you hear it, another, another one, all kinds of stuff pops into your head. Um, without like chasing too many rabbits or whatever, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 7, to me, sums up uh, spiritual gifts. Let's look at the, at the whole paragraph. It says, starting in verse 7, it says, Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another miraculous powers. To another prophecy. To another distinguishing between spirits. To another speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he gives them to each one just as he determines. All right. Different gifts, different things that God himself has put into all of our lives, but they all come from him. Now look, go back to verse 7 and look at it. It says, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. All right, a couple of things. One, um, there's nobody that's exempt from that. When you look at your life, um, Seeing yourself as uh, deficient somehow means that you are comparing yourself to other people. I think it's something that we're all guilty of, and it's something that we just have to learn to get over. And we have to discipline ourselves, you know, in a sense, to, to not do that. But really, it's, a, it's about God really rewiring the way that we think. But to each one, God has given a special way that he manifests himself in your life. The manifestation of the Spirit has been given to each person. And so when we look at ourselves, like as God looks at us, God looks into your life and sees a very special way that he shows up. That's kind of cool when you think about it. A lot of times we don't really see that. We see a, a thousand ways that he doesn't show up, you know. Because we're all pretty much insecure and we're all pretty much negative about ourselves. But Paul is writing and he's trying to get them to understand every single one of you, God shows up in your life in a unique way. Each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Now, so God shows up in your life. Awesome. Why? So you can be awesome? No. You're awesome, okay? But that's not why. He shows up in my life for your benefit. It sounds like really arrogant for the pastor to say that, but that's what this verse says. And what's cool is that he shows up in your life for my benefit as a part of this church. Not not the way I always think about it. Because I don't walk around being like, 
All right, I need to guess. Need to go manifest Jesus real quick. No, you just have to be yourself. And that's why some people have a tremendous amount of faith and other people have just grace that just knows no end and some people are just full of joy and some people are really, really patient and some have a lot of wisdom and some have great discernment and all these things are going on and God's showing up in all these different ways and we look across this room, every single way that he shows up is for the benefit of everybody else in the room. That blows my mind. That's really what a spiritual gift is. We can get all caught up in you know, well, is it one of the ones that's listed in Scripture, or is that, you know, is it limited to those that are listed, or is that just like a, a random assortment that Paul pulled from? Are there more out there, blah, 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 whatever. The way I look at it is this. Anything that is for the common good and the building of the body where God shows up, that's the way he's gifted you. That comes from his spirit where he shows up in your life. We have to, we have to embrace that. A lot of times, like I said, we look in the mirror and we're like, oh, I'm bad at this, I'm bad at this, I'm a bad Christian because of this and this and this and this and this and this. Instead of letting God show, show us, say, see, but this is, this is how I manifest my presence in your life for your coworkers and your neighbors and your family to see. That's cool. That's, that's enough right there, really. We, we, we could stop there. If that's all that he did, that would be enough. But beyond that, God even has done even more stuff to get us ready to go out there and minister. I mean, what more do we need besides him just showing up? And not only that, that we don't even have to try to make him show up. He just does it naturally, whether you want him to or not. You don't just turn on the wisdom, you know, turn on the faith. No, it's just a part of who you are. So you just have to be yourself at work. Sometimes it gets us in trouble. But added to that manifestation that's given to all of us for the building of, of other people, God's also given us some abilities. And without, just, without going through Scripture too much or whatever, when we look at the life of Paul, so he's the one that wrote about spiritual gifts. Look at Paul's life. He had some abilities um, that he used to serve people and to minister. Now, there are different kinds of abilities. Um, one and that I don't think we think of in a spiritual sense very much are abilities, that, things that we're trained to do. Um, you probably don't look at the fact that, like, let's say that maybe um, you went to, some, to school somehow to be trained to do your job. You might not look at that as being very spiritual. You know, I have a business degree from Southeastern. You know, what's spiritual about that? You know, maybe that's, that's the way that, that you look at it. Um, you might not look at, at that as, as a way that God equips you to serve other people. But stop and think about it for a second. Um, first time we went to Mexico, I slept very, very well uh, on the van. And this is why. Because I had not one, not two, but three professional mechanics on the trip. Now, you can't tell me that the training that they went through is separate from uh, serving people. Raise your hand if one of those guys has ever hooked you up somehow. Seriously, raise your hand. Lots of hands around here, okay? Um, that's one example of how training, the, the thing that we have for our vocation or just like whatever, uh, God will use that. And we cannot scrap that and say, that's not spiritual. No, that's God's path for your life. That's beautifully spiritual. 
If we really believe what we say we believe, then God puts you and he has this destination for you, and a part of that is being trained, and some of that is so you can make money and, and pay your bills and take care of your family and do the things that you need to do, um, but some of that also is to be used to serve people. So don't take the training that you've had, whether it's a college degree or a vocational school or whether it's the fact that your parents just taught you how to do things. And they sat down and they like, were like, this is how you do this and this and this. And now it's a way that where you have been trained to do that. Whatever kind of training it is, that's a part of your life that God has given you and equipped you to go and do ministry. So training is one thing. Experience is, okay, Paul was a, was a tent maker. That's what he was, that was how, when he went around, um, he didn't just walk around and say, hey, I'm Paul and uh, Jesus sent me here so I need you to feed me. No, he didn't do that. Sometimes people fed him because they believed Jesus sent him. And that was their way of taking care of him. But he was trained. He, was, he knew how to make these tents. That's how he, he earned a living there. But he saw that as a benefit. Now he saw it as God uh, equipping him and to take care of him and take care of other people. Second thing is experiences. Um, I have to write stuff down sometimes. Um, you read in Philippians 3. And Paul kind of goes through um, just his background or whatever. Um, he, was, he was very much ed, like an educated man. He'd experienced all these things. He was uh, a Pharisee, so he was Jewish. And so he, um, and he was not just like, like a normal, like everyday Jewish guy. He was like the pious, holier than thou, like kept all the laws, and then the 600 more that they made up kind of like guy. And so his experiences... And his background and the things that he just kind of grew up around and, and had learned about and all this kind of stuff, all of a sudden transferred into serving other people. Because now he could go in and he, because of his experiences, he had a, a platform. And he was able to go in and, and to speak truth because, as one who had some sort of authority because of the things that he had been through. And he knew the customs and through the Spirit's leading, he knew all the holes to poke in it. He knew how to argue in, in a good way. He knew how to debate. He knew how to, how to expose the lies and to, to preach the truth because of all these things that he had experienced. He was able to relate to them. You have experiences that have that prepare you for ministry that you don't know anything about sometimes, that you don't ever think, like, wow, how is that going to help me? And all of a sudden, one day, there's somebody that's going through something currently that you've been through in your past. Now tell me that's not God getting ready, getting you ready to minister and to serve somebody. When someone's dealing with, with their parents going through a divorce, and you've already been through that. Someone's dealing with grief. They've lost a parent or a grandparent, and it's their first experience with death, and they have no idea how to handle it. And you... A couple months ago, I went through the same exact thing. Dealing with tragedy, dealing with cancer, dealing with all these different things. These experiences that you have prepare you to take care of other people. It's not always bad stuff. Sometimes it's, you know, take a college student who's a junior who moved from somewhere else to Baton Rouge to go to school and you remember how that transition was hard and all this kind of stuff? And then we get some new freshmen that come in. You know, you know what it's like. You know what they need. You know what's there. It's not a bad thing. They just need somebody that understands. 
those experiences, do not discount them and say, oh, that was, you know, for whatever. God's going to use those hurts and those trials and those struggles to take care of other people. If we'll just have the guts to step in there and say, hey, I know this is probably hard because it was hard for me, and there you go. You don't have to sit in a seminary class and know how to comfort someone. Just be yourself. When God causes your life to do like this with somebody else who's hurting, he's brought you there. So he's, those abilities that we have from training and some of us from experience, and some of us just natural. Paul would go into somewhere and, and, and he would, would uh, start sharing the gospel and get these Christians together if they were already there. And he had this natural charisma about him where he would, would get these churches planted and these churches going. That was just something, a natural part of his personality he was able to use. Something else, um, Paul was passionate um, about uh, the Gentiles. He, didn't, like, he, he was like, look, the gospel is for everybody. And so this was, was something that he was passionate about. And we'll talk about this too in a minute. But here he is, just this natural thing that he has, just his natural personality and all this kind of stuff. That's an ability that God's given him to be able to do some things. God's given you just some natural stuff. Some of you people are just naturally athletic. Like you just, you just, when it comes to athletics, you just got a good draw from the gene pool. You don't think that God can use that? I mean, there was a time when a bunch of guys were playing basketball on Thursday night, and there was as many non-ring people as there were ring people. Because there are people who come play ball with you, but they won't go to church with you. So God won't use that natural ability somehow? Sure he will. There's just some natural things about your personality that God's going to use. And so he's not only manifested himself in spiritual gifts, but he's given you these abilities and all these things that have you completely equipped to represent Christ in someone else's life. But we don't see ourselves that way. We see ourselves sometimes as martyrs who've been through all these painful things and all this kind of stuff or whatever. And yeah, we need to heal from that. We need to deal with that, whatever. But we need, you have to realize that God has an intentional way of using that in somebody else's life. And so if you're going to pout and mope and all this kind of stuff, or if you're going to be scared when God brings those opportunities up, then you need to start getting yourself ready now. Start dealing with that stuff. So that when someone expresses a need, you're able to respond right away, not to be like, oh no, I've never dealt with this. Deal with it. Because God wants to use it. And that's amazing that God wants to use our hurt. Spiritual gifts, our abilities, and our passions. Like I said, Paul was, was passionate about Christ. He's passionate about starting churches. And he was really, really passionate about the Gentiles getting the gospel and not being rejected by, by the, the Jewish people who live there, which happened all the time. The things that we're passionate about, we can't rule those out as, being, uh, as not being from God. I love it when, when somebody like, gets to a point where God just begins to just, just tighten the screws on them about something. To a point where like, they almost just can't stand it. And that's like something like when sometimes people say, like, I'm just not passionate about anything. And so I'll just ask this, I'll say, well, what makes you mad? What just makes you like, just completely like angry? To, to what when you see something not happening, what like what is it that makes you angry? 
And it's interesting what people will say. A lot of times that's the way that we know what we're passionate about because it's stuff that just gets us riled up. Paul got riled up by the fact that the Jews looked at the Gentiles or the non-Jews as second-class citizens. And, and they, they looked at what Jesus did on the cross and they were like, yeah, that's not for them. He's just for us. He's a Jew. We're Jews. It's just for us. That made Paul mad. You know what he did? He declared himself the minister to the Gentiles. I'll show them. How cool is that? See, God, God gives us things that we're passionate about, and he does it for a reason, because we're supposed to do something about it. Too often, the setup is this. Go to church and sit back and wait for the ministers, the staffers, to pitch out some new ideas. And then the new ideas are out there, and then we'll kind of decide if we really want to be a part of this or not, and blah, blah, blah. Well, see, here's the thing. We're not setting our church on a course saying we're going to be passionate about this. Consistent with Scripture, I, I feel like we say we're going to be passionate about Christ and we're going, to, we're going to do the things and be passionate about the things that he said to. But when it comes to, to like side things, as the passions of our church as God begins to spring up those things among our church body, that's when we're going to begin to, to take those people and put them together and equip them to send them out. And like here's, here's an example. Um, if, it, if you have a passion for um, the homeless community in Baton Rouge, like I'm talking about like a burden, like it, it bothers you that um, you sit in line behind a whole bunch of cars and there's a guy with a sign and you can't get to him fast enough. You know, and not only that, it makes you mad that like 19 cars will pass right by him and give him nothing. And you were going to hold up traffic to stop and to give that guy some money or to stop and to do whatever it takes. Here's, here's what we want to do as a church. First of all, we, we want to do whatever we can um, to, to equip you to go and to, to do whatever it is that you feel like God's called you to do. What we really want to do is this, was, is if you come to me and you say, I'm passionate about this, I want to be able to say this, you know what, I, I, I got five other people that are passionate about the exact same thing. Let's get you guys around a table and start talking about some stuff, and you guys start working together, because you need an outlet besides uh, handing the guy two bucks as you drive by. You need, you need some sort of outlet to begin to, to take those passions and harness them and for us as a, a church staff and the rest of the church to do whatever we can to equip that group to go and to send them out. Maybe that means putting money in the, in the bucket back there. Maybe that means throwing out some ideas. Maybe it means like, hey, here's a book that um, this guy wrote who does this kind of ministry in this city. Here's a copy of this book. Read it. Blah, blah, blah. Just go. Whatever you need to do. That's one example, but that's what we've done with the kids' ministry with the youth ministry. We've got a college ministry that, that started. And you know what? There's a homeless ministry that's about to start. And that wasn't just bait. The thing is, God's given you these passions. He's put stuff in your heart. And maybe it has to do with, with homeless people. Maybe it has to do with the people in your neighborhood. Maybe it has to do with the people that you work with. Maybe it has to do with your kids, with your spouse, or with the people in your community group. I don't know what you're passionate about. God's put that in you for a reason. 
And so we have to look at that as being authored by God, put into your life by him. And when it's put there by him, it's not put there by accident, and it's not put there without a good reason, because he wants you to begin to act on it, because that's what Jesus did. Jesus had those abilities, and he had those passions, and he had those giftings. Paul had those things, too. We see them throughout history being carried down. That's what God, that's how he's put his church together. But if we, if we can't look at ourselves in the mirror and see all that he has done in us and is doing in us and all the things that are coming from him, if we can't look at ourselves and see us as fully equipped, ready to be sent, sent out into a world that is just hurting and dying and searching and just hungry, and for the first time in a long time, a world that is wide open to talking about God, then we have to re- pick our starting point a little bit differently. We have to come to him and we have to, to say, Lord, I, I need you to rewire the way I look at myself. I just say, I, God, I need you to get me to stop comparing myself to other people or to looking at other people's giftings and other people's this and that and this and that or whatever. We have to return to that mirror spiritually and let God teach us how to see ourselves as he does. Further down in 1 Corinthians 12, we'll close with this. Verse 14. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? Here it is. But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. He made you exactly the way he wants you to be. And your life journey, even though some of the things that have happened are because you were just stupid, you know, we just make just dumb decisions sometimes. It takes us this way or that way or whatever. God has crafted your life exactly the way he wanted you to be. He's manifested himself in your life. He's brought you through experiences. He's trained you in different ways. He's given you natural abilities. And he's put passions in you. And all these things are to go out and to serve people and to take care of those who God loves. That makes you a missionary to a very unique mission field. And you know what? It's a mission field that nobody else on the face of the earth has been called to. It's territory that God has marked out for you. He's given you relationships in there. He's given you favor in there. He's, just, he's completely set you up in that way. We have to embrace ourselves. I don't mean to sound all Dr. Phil. That's kind of what I feel like. (laughs) 
But God really does want us to look at ourselves and to see his handiwork. Isn't that amazing? How can we ever feel like we're unequipped? I've been to seminary. It didn't teach me any of that. None of it. That's not where ministers get trained. Ministers get trained in everyday life, which is where you are. And he's called you to do some things. And I believe what God wants from us tonight is to begin in a place where we look at our lives and we see what he's done and we celebrate that and we thank him for that. So let's, let's pray together and ask him to do that tonight. Father, even though um, we, we read those verses and we see those examples uh, in Paul's life and, and all that stuff, God, honestly, it's just still hard for us um, to see our lives through your eyes. And uh, God, just to see your, your fingerprints all over, all over us like that. Um, and so, God, I mean, that's something that we need you to do in us. We need you to, to renew our minds, God, that we would think like you. We would look at ourselves the way that you look at us. Because, God, you see us as being fully equipped to go into that world to go into those relationships and to go into those places. And uh, God, it's not a lack of preparation that holds us back. A lot of times it's our own insecurities. And so God, will you replace that? Will you take those insecurities out, God, and begin to just replace them with the truth? And... Um, God, may we be in a place where we are humble enough to receive it and uh, to celebrate it. God, we love you, and uh, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.